for having me. I am so ready to record our podcast. Our, <laughs> I'm I'm flattered you wanted to come see me so quickly, but like, what? What's a po- a podcast? <laughs> Dude, you're funny. Come on, let's just get this going. I know you wanted to be more like Star Wars Minute, but we can we can do our own thing. It'll be fun. I I don't know. Wait, what minute? Star, Star Trek. Star, Star Trek Minute? Is that what you meant to say? No, dude. Star Wars Minute. You're always talking about that. I... I mean... I don't know what you're talking about. I still don't know what a podcast is. I mean, you have this microphone set up here, and like... I don't know. What are you talking about? Wait. You don't know what a podcast is? I think you might be, you know, a little, uh, still a little messed up there in the head there from your uh, bike accident the last week. Wait, 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 Adam. Does the word noise mean anything to you? Uh, Gesundheit? Did you just sneeze? I don't, noise? No! Cinemacast? Your weekly film fix. This week, Anthony and I uh, watched, or actually headed to the movies, as we're doing this month with all in theaters, new releases, summer blockbusters. Um, although this movie I would not consider to be a blockbuster in the sense of like Spider-Man or Toy Story. Um, but we went and saw uh, Danny Boyle's Yesterday. We saw it last week, not yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. We made that joke I, a lot. <laughs> we did. I I remember texting you the day before because we had to hop theaters to see all the movies last week. Yeah. Um, and I was like, remember when we go to see yesterday or tomorrow, comma when we go to see yesterday, comma we won't be at the same theater we were at today. And I was like, <laughs> calendar jokes. It was a wonderful, wonderful joke. I I lulled. I'll admit that. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I try. So, I just watched the full-length trailer for this movie. And mm. I apparently I'd never seen it before. I'd just seen the little clips from TV and maybe something they played at the movie theater. But I'm actually really glad. So, it was like a, a three-minute trailer. And I was yeah. really glad that I didn't see it. Because I felt like it gave away most of the movie. Really? Like, it was almost even... Like it, it went in the linearly in this in the sense that it was like, all right, this happens, and this big thing happens, and this big thing, and this big thing, and I was in it, and it gave away some of the jokes that I think really worked for me in the theater. Huh. So I'm glad I didn't see that. Yeah, this this movie same. I I had seen teaser trailers like on TV, maybe the odd ad here on YouTube. Um, but like nothing really, all I knew about it was it's the movie where everyone forgets the Beatles existed. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. Um, and going in with just that, um, my expectations were pretty low and I'm really happy that they were such because I had just a great time. This was just a fun, fun movie. Um, and oddly enough, the next day, uh, I went out to breakfast, and I mentioned, or my waiter had asked, you know, any fun Fourth of July plans, um, and I had mentioned 
going to the movies this whole week. And uh, I had mentioned how I saw yesterday. And she freaked out because she had just seen it yesterday as well. <laughs> she saw yesterday, yesterday, as of when this story is occurring. Right. Um, and she was like, oh my gosh, it was so good, it was so good. She's like, I knew nothing about it going in. And we both agreed, um, and this is kind of my official review uh, before we really get into the, 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 uh, the details of this film, is this was just a fun feel-good, happy movie. A fun, feel-good, happy movie. Yeah. You know, the, it, it was... It was... There wasn't... It wasn't... There was like This wasn't a Marvel film. This wasn't a Star Wars film. This wasn't a big action thriller where, you know, huge stakes, you know, are the main plot of the film. The world's not going to end. No one's trying to take over the world. This was just, hey... One guy seems to remember that the Beatles existed and no one else has ever heard of them. What could happen? I was just about to say, I feel like this is a movie and I was about to say a bunch of things that I felt like it was about. And then I thought, wait a second. I feel like I'm repeating what I said about Aladdin. But I think it definitely asked the question, what is success? What is, what, what is a life that's worthwhile? Mm-hmm. What, what, how does one find happiness? Yeah. And I think it's, it's a very kind of fun, I would put the yesterday kind of in the same vein of films like, I'm trying to think, like, if you've seen or heard of The Lobster. Oh my gosh, I haven't not seen it, but I've heard, I've heard what it's about in, mm-hmm. It's one of those movies, like, you know, Kevin Smith made Tusk? Yeah. It seems like it's in that realm, and that mm-hmm. just, that really disconcerts me. Like, I, I, I have no interest in seeing either of those movies. I have no, I have no like, interest in seeing Tusk, for sure. Uh, but from what I read with the reviews of Lobster, it wasn't, it's not like a body horror thing. It's just, like, if you don't find love... At this certain point in your life, they just turn you into an animal, and it's just like. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you're you're saying that yesterday is in the same realm of a movie you've never even seen before. Well, it's in concept of like the the movie The Lobster is about finding love at an older age, and the movie Yesterday is about sudden success and fame, but they both they're both about realistic everyday concepts or things that people deal with or think about, but done in a really weird, quirky way. Hmm. So like in the lobster, if you don't find love, you turn into an animal, but it's about people who fear not being able to find love later on in life. You know, people who are single into their, you know, late forties, early fifties, even their sixties. And like, is there still someone out there for me? And then with yesterday, it's, you know, for Jack, he has this, you know, fame thrust upon him because now he knows the whole discography pretty much of the Beatles, save for a few songs here or there, um, which he kind of jokingly mentions throughout the film. And then 
you know, he has to struggle with his fame, and is fame worth giving up the person you love? So you could tell the stories, you know, Jack could have just been a really gifted writer. You know, the lobster could have been this person has like a terminal disease and make it more grounded, but it's it's storytelling that has that kind of fantastical, whimsical element to it. Yeah. But it's still a very human story. I I think it's a lot of I think the love story angle is more of Jack's been searching his whole life for something, but he's mm-hmm. had this really something really incredible all along. Yeah. But he's been he's been so focused on looking at what he doesn't have. So mm-hmm. Like it's Ellie, his his manager and his friend, they've been friends for twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. She gets these venues and all these performances. Mm-hmm. And he just he he feels like his songs aren't resonating. He gets to go to that festival he's so excited about, and mm-hmm. then it ends up only a handful of people are at the tent. Where he's yeah, been. yeah. And it it shows through a flashback at one point. He's so like it seems that he was working as a teacher for a little while, and then decided to go just put everything into his music career and work part-time at a home depot type place mm-hmm. and he, he and then when he's driving with ellie it shows the flashback where he mentions to her that he's about to give it all up because he doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and he said he's going to go back to teaching and she stops the car and tells him not to do it yeah yeah that that moment where you know and it, it was a little cliched um i will at least for me, it was kind of like the classic, you know, how dare you say no to your dreams? You know, like, I've seen this scene a million times. But I think by putting that, the movie would, I would have felt different about the movie if that scene had been at the beginning of the film versus halfway through the film. I think it worked for me because it was the dichotomy of all these people on Earth are seeing him as this amazing music musical genius the superstar mm-hmm. but that's how she's seen him all along mm-hmm. even before he had the beatles music yeah and i think if they had started the film with that it would have been like you know don't give up on your dream he doesn't give up on his dream and then he gets the beatles you know fame cool but yeah. putting it halfway through it's kind of like we really only seen him struggling a little bit and then get the fame and yeah. then being able to look back and be like, you almost quit this. Look mm-hmm. how far you've come and look who's been here for you the whole time. And just putting it there, I think, worked a lot better. Because if they had started with that, I would have been like, I know exactly how this film is going to go. And halfway through, I didn't know where this movie was going to go. I know. I kept thinking. So I had seen the trailer where mm-hmm. he's on James Corden. Mm-hmm. And James Corden goes... Did you really write your? Or we have two people here who say that they wrote your songs, and you see the two feet. By the way, did you know that? So did you notice that one of the pairs of feet is barefoot? Yep. Do you tell us the reference? What's the reference there? So this is kind of a this is a a reference that has a whole load of baggage to it. Um. So 
for those of you who are familiar with the Beatles, and I'm sure we're going to bring up the Beatles a lot in this review, um, because this movie was half like a story about success and fame, also written by someone who just loves the Beatles. Because mm-hmm. um, we hear a lot of their songs covered by Jack in this movie. Um, so on the cover of Abbey Road, which is, the I think, probably one of the most famous record album covers probably ever, um, the four Beatles are walking across the street, and Paul, uh, Paul McCartney, is barefoot in that uh, album cover. And, uh, of course, when we see on the James Corden show, um, he mentions how we have Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, and we see the shoed feet of uh, Ringo and then the bare feet of Paul there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting whole conspiracy. Some people have thought that Paul McCartney has been dead for years and that he was replaced by an, uh, an another singer named Billy Shears. Um, and this is all tied up in the fact that if you play the end of Sergeant Pepper backwards, it sounds like it says Paul is dead or something like that. And the fact that he's barefoot in some cultures, being barefoot is a sign that you are passing on to the next life and that you are dead. As there's a whole conspiracy of like, you know, Paul is dead and oh my gosh. He has, is not really Paul McCartney, and the Beatles are trying to cover it up, you know. So, what? If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, but yeah, if you look up the Paul is dead conspiracy, it it goes down a deep, deep rabbit hole. Oh, uh, <laughs> so. I don't, I don't think I, I think I'm okay with being ignorant of that. <laughs> it's not one. It's not necessary. There are other <laughs> conspiracies more worth my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Much more, you know, respectable conspiracy theories out there besides the Paul is dead theory. <laughs> right. What, what was, where was I originally going with bringing up the James Corden thing? Um, you had seen in the trailer. Oh, we, that's right. We, we, I thought the movie was going to end. Yeah. I, it was going to turn out that the Beatles, they existed, but they were a small band that just never gained popularity. And then people, and then it would find out he would find out that people would find out that he was t- stealing their music, which is kind of what happens. Yeah, but I thought it was going to be more forced upon him rather than him deciding to 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 tell everyone publicly about what happened. Yeah, when it cuts to him on James Corden, I legit thought like, oh my gosh. Are we going to get Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr to be in this movie and they're going to confront him about it? And of course, that's a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Jack's guilt getting at him. But yeah, I too was like, is this how our movie's like, the rest of the movie's going to go? Because like, we still have like 45 minutes left. Mm-hmm. What? Um, and there is a Beatle who makes an appearance in this film uh, that I've still been wrestling with my feelings about it. Um... But I don't know if you want to talk about that now or come back to that. Sure. Let's just jump right in. Um, so after his big his big album release, after Jack has his first um, kind of debut concert 
um, on the roof of a hotel that uh, Ellie, his manager, had booked him. Um, but it turned out to be closed, and they reopened the hotel and all that. We find out after this concert that there are two other people in the world. One woman who lives in Liverpool, England, and one guy who lives in Moscow, Russia, um, who also seem to have remembered the previous world or something like that. Um, and they bring, they talk about, you know, missing the Beatles music and having someone who is kind of bringing them back, so to speak. Um, and they give him a note and the woman says, this will bring you some closure. And we had to do a lot of digging to find this and they give it to him. And then we cut to him driving down like, a countryside road in England and it gets to uh, a beach and there's a little house and we meet our one and only Beatle appearance in this film. And uh, Anthony would do the honors of telling the audience what Beatle appears in this film. I, I guess we should say at this point also uh, we're about 16 minutes in Spoilers have already abounded, uh, so you've been post-warned. <laughs> yeah, so Jack gets to meet John Lennon, who's yeah. played by Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle is uncredited in this role, however. He's been in a plethora of roles, though. Like I'm seeing the full Monty, Train Spotting, mm -hmm. the Train Spotting sequel. Once Upon a Time, oh. all of these different... Oh! Oh, what he's in... What... Sorry, go ahead. He was also in Aragon. <laughs> Did you ever see that? I, unfortunately, have seen Aragon. <laughs> My brother was so excited when that movie came out, because he read the whole series. And oh. we, we saw it probably... We, we saw it opening weekend. Uh-huh. So does the point. We got the video game. That the game sucked too. <laughs> I think we we had this video rental store called VIP Video, and I think they were yeah. giving away the poster for free. And so we ended up getting that. It was framed in our house at one point. <laughs> Isn't it great when you jump on the hype train immediately, and then you're like, "Oh no, I want to get off." Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I'm uh, so embarrassed to say we had that poster framed. <laughs> there are worse things, you know. I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure there's someone out there who has like a framed, I, I don't know, uh, Phantom Menace poster. Oh, don't! Oh my God! Come on! <laughs> I love Phantom Menace. I'm gonna get a Phantom Menace poster and frame it just to spite you. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a, a, a bad movie that had, was was popular. I'm sure there's someone out there who has a, a framed Jurassic World poster. There we go. That's... Yeah, yeah. I would watch Phantom Menace a hundred times before I'd rewatch Jurassic World. <laughs> Good to hear. That's the right answer. Is, uh, so yeah. it was it was sweet when he he's, uh, so I know that you had mixed feelings, but yeah. In, in our theater, and there weren't many people in our theater, mm -hmm. there was there were people who were getting emotional. From That's true. Yeah, there were there was a pair of 
I don't want to guess their age because that'd be rude. But over 50, um, these women who were behind us, one of them was like, like quietly sobbing and like had tissues and was like dabbing her eyes. Um, but yeah, the Robert Carlyle, is that what you, the actor you said? Yes. Um, yeah, he looked spitting image of John Lennon. Um, I, I don't know if they did anything digital with his face. Um, kind of like the young aging of um, Samuel Jackson and Captain Marvel. If they changed his face a bit to make it look more like John Lennon. But he looked amazing. Um, yeah. But my, my first thought, and I, clearly they must have cleared this with the Lennon estate. Um, and, you know, cause I, my first thought was as he's driving down the road and I'm like, Oh, we're going to visit a beetle. We're going to visit one of them. My first thought is it's going to be either Ringo or it's going to be Paul because to have either John or George in my mind, at least, you know, with, with famous people kind of bringing them back from the dead, especially when, cause I feel like it's, it's one thing with, for example, uh, we have to have Star Wars pop up at least once in our podcasts. But, for example, in the upcoming um, Rise of Skywalker, we know that Princess or General Leia, General Organa, Carrie Fisher, will be in the film. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be using old footage that's already been recorded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one thing. But to bring back someone so beloved like that and it's not a film about the Beatles if it was a film about the Beatles that'd be one thing but to be like you know in this alternate world John Lennon wasn't killed um, I don't know it just seemed a little weird to me it seemed I think it works with that world because he's basically in an alternate universe because mm. there's a number of things that don't exist cigarettes yeah, don't exist which is probably for the best that's a plus yeah Harry Potter doesn't exist. That's a negative. Oasis doesn't exist. That's a negative. Speaking speaking of Oasis not existing, so there's yeah. this. So Ellie says that she first like heard Jack play music at a talent show when they were in sixth grade, I think, fifth mm-hmm. grade, something like that, yeah. and that he was playing Wonderwall by Oasis. So in but remember, he finds out that Oasis doesn't exist in this new alternative universe so i wonder if then when he gets hits his head and gets transported quote unquote to this alternate reality Mm -hmm. if he played a different song when he was younger or if he played oasis's song and she was just like what he came up with with that all on his own (laughs) like at that point that yeah the timeline oh man this movie got way more complicated than I thought it would. Yeah, because then the whole... If he's been singing covers of Beatles songs his whole life and covers of Oasis songs, who knows how many countless other bands that don't exist in this alternate universe that he's been singing their songs. Why has he not been picked up before? Like, why has no one been like, hey, can I look that, you know, let it be song? You know, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I think that it's almost like a, 
he wakes up and he's just in that reality. So I'm going, mm. my headcanon explanation is that he played a different song at the talent okay. show. And gotcha. That, because I would think that in his life, in his, let's call the, the let's say Earth 1 and then Earth 2 is the alternate reality. In the uh -huh. one life, he's played Beatles songs before. Right. And Earth 2... He hasn't up until that point where he's playing yesterday in front of his friends. Okay. And, and I will say the, the switch, I'm going I'm to call it the switch because my theory is in the same with time travel, at least in most time travel stories, um, Avengers Endgame aside, um, typically you can't exist at the same time as, some, as the, your exact self. Um, that's considered to be a paradox, and, you know, the world would fall apart, and blah, 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 all that. My theory is that Jack has been living a parallel life. So there's Earth 1 and Earth 2. There must be a Jack 1 and a Jack 2. And that when he's hit by the bus on his bike, that somehow switches them. Ah. And so we have Jack 2, and who knows what other bands exist in Earth 2 that don't exist in Earth 1. Mm -hmm. And maybe Jack 2 is going to get famous off of, you know, the, the, the plants songs, whatever, you know, what other, you know, the staccatas, whatever musical band, pun, whatever, you know is in Earth 2, but not in Earth 1. Right. And then how many people are like, you know, don't you know the Beatles? And he's like, I've never heard of that before. And they're like, must you have amnesia from the, from the hit, you know? Yeah. I, like, I, I went off way too far there, I apologize. But that was just like, if there's two Earths, there must be two Jacks, because there's an Ellie who knows Jack, and all... Right. Okay. All right. You're losing me. You're losing me. <laughs> I I think that the whole alternate reality thing, like, it, it can take you down a rabbit hole. But yeah, it, we, we could spend the whole rest of the podcast just talking about that and don't want to do that. It seems like it was due to that. It had something to do with that power outage that happened all across the world because mm -hmm. there's two other people who remember things from the past. Yeah. From the other reality. Mm -hmm. we see i was and i was really surprised that they were on board with him because and i think that's definitely what they were going for is that mm -hmm. you think that oh these two people are gonna bust him and yeah because even at that when he's having the press conference before his concert and the one woman asks him who's your favorite paul mm -hmm. or ringo ringo or john yeah and he gets all freaked out and like the one guy's holding the yellow submarine up, and it's like, uh, what? Yeah, and when they go to see him, and he, it's funny, he even says, like, oh, I thought you were going to arrest me or something like that. Yeah. It's what we were all thinking, and they're like, no, we're so glad that... That was, that was really funny, playing with our expectations. Yeah. When they say, no, we're, we're so glad that you, you're doing this. Like, the world, the world needs their music, and we couldn't remember all their songs, and we, or, and we don't have the musical talent. 
Yeah. Did you? I, I liked at the end of the film um, when Jack basically takes their kind of advice to heart, so to speak, um, and he just releases all of the Beatles music pretty much for free. Yeah. Um, that they, you just, they were dancing together at the end. Who's they? The the guy, the Russian guy, and the the British woman. Oh, they were. They were dancing together. And they were wearing the Sgt. Pepper coats. Oh, nice. So they were dancing around on a pier at the very end. And they're kind of like, you know, the Beatles are back. So, mm-hmm. but also, I don't know if the actor who played Jack, do you have his name? Yes, I do. His name is Himesh Patel. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Himesh Patel is... If that was actually him singing, or if there was someone else who sang for him, but those covers, no, it, was it was him. Yeah, he he sounded really good. I believe so. Yeah, his, his covers were very very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked them. So speaking of things that we really liked, there was mm-hmm. a character in this movie that at first I thought I don't like this person. I'm going to loathe them. But I yeah. ended up really liking this character, and it was Rocky. Mm, yeah, same. same. I thought, oh, this, this character's going to be really annoying. But he was actually really funny. Yeah. This was... This movie played with our expectations, you know, unlike any film I've seen recently. Um, but, but yeah, Rocky, same thing. I was like, like oh, this guy's going to be with us the whole film? Oh, boy. It's going to be a long film. And then I was like, you know what? You're a good person, Rocky. I like you. I know even good when job. he even when he chooses Rocky to be his kind of his groupie, not his groupie, but his his production assistant, I guess. Yeah. I thought, oh no, gosh, we have to see more of this character. But he mm. grew on me so much. Yeah. He he definitely plays the uh, charming idiot trope really well mm-hmm. um I, I really enjoyed especially when ellie and jack are having the heart to heart he's like we gotta go we gotta go you know, your manager's on the phone we gotta go and he just like he's like can i have a can i have a crisp and she's like sure and he's like takes like a whole handful she's like not all of them he's like yeah. sorry I, I just gotta go <laughs> yeah yeah that was so funny they play they all played off these other pretty well because that was yeah. an emotional scene for Lily James, who played the app, Ellie Appleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it the and it was a great balance between like having the dramatic moments and having the really funny moments, and the movie balanced it out really well. I thought um, there was one thing I wanted to get to, and I think this is a, a great time to bring it up: is the we have like the first what do they call it in the film? Like the very big important meeting. Or something like that, or like the biggest meeting. Oh yes, of his career. Yeah, um, and they're deciding on the first album cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack had submitted some album cover ideas and album names, and all of them were just Beatles albums. Um, mm-hmm. So we have Abbey Road, Heart and Pepper, um, the White Album, um, and it's funny, you know we. 
I liked the redesigns of some of them, especially Sergeant Pepper's. I don't know why, but I really liked the image of like the like Victorian era sergeant with just like a pepper for a head. <laughs> I was like, I'd wear that on a t-shirt. I want that. Give me that Sergeant Pepper shirt. Um, but that was really cool. I liked the joke about, of course, the white album with like the producer being like, you know, it's, oh, I don't know. The title's a little, you know, today, politically, the white album. Um, Like, all that was really funny. And then, well, of course, they settled on, like, one one man or lone man, whatever, because it's just Jack writing Mm -hmm. all of it. But I really like that. And you can, it balanced really well of, like, it's the humor of seeing, you know, these Beatles albums reinvented. But then Jack being like, "I'm still racked with guilt that I didn't write this, these music, you know, these songs." Right, and it's missing. He he knows the lyrics, but he doesn't truly know what they're about. Mm-hmm. And people ask him that multiple times, and he can't explain it. Mm-hmm. And then there's one point where he's asked. So he he performs in Russia. And he mm-hmm. plays the song back in the USSR. Mm-hmm. And Ed Sheeran asks him, like, that, that's interesting. I, I, I don't think Russia's been called the USSR since, like, the 60s. It's interesting why you said that. And he had no real answer for him. It was like, it just came to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I liked when he tries to pitch Hey Jude. He's like, I have oh, a friend. Yeah. Who whose son? It was funny because that's the actual story of the song "Hey Jude" that Paul McCartney wrote for John Lennon's son. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh, that's great. So they basically just he's just like, I'm going to steal this story from this song and just make it into my own life, and then having Ed Sheeran be like, "Jude, it's so like outdated. How about like, dude." <laughs> And then having the song be, hey, dude. It's like, ugh. Yeah, and I like how he, he apologizes to the two people who remember yeah. the Earth One world. Yeah. He's like, sorry, blame Ed. It was Ed Sheeran's idea. Yeah, because they're like, hey, dude, really? Why would you? He's like, not me, not me. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and there were there was some... Very interesting um, imagery in this film. Um, I feel like we're not really talking about a lot about the plot in this review, mostly because you see the trailer. As you said, you know the story. <laughs> Pretty much. You know the bare bones of the story. Um, but we're fleshing out the details uh, here. But there were... There were two things that I know you wanted to get to. Um, and one of them was, and I noticed this as well, there's a shot of uh, paratroopers in Jack's bedroom. There's four little paratrooper um, figuring, figures, I guess, you know, in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of struck me, and it clearly struck you as odd, I'm like, what is the symbolism here? What does this mean? Did you have any ideas? I think it was 
about that he's so let's see what what happens when you're because it shows them falling it doesn't show them with their parachutes out right. or anything like that so he's about i think it attempts because it, it they show that shot before he goes downstairs to see ed who's ed sheeran who's come to see him mm-hmm. i think it's his, the start of his free fall where he's about to because if you don't perish if you don't pull the parachute what's going to happen you're going to just hit the earth Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it might be. And the fact that there are four of them, maybe that's supposed to be like, this is what the Beatles felt like. They're in free fall. And he's kind of mirroring that where these four are in free fall into their careers. And he's into, about to start his descent into his career. Ah. Yeah, it could symbolize him taking over theirs. Yeah. I could see that. Okay, that's that's a good point. I'm glad that you noticed that there are four of them. Because that's definitely there for a reason. Four Beatles. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, there were a lot of moments where... The camera did weird angles. Um, there were some some Dutch angles at the very beginning of the film. And for those of you who don't know what a Dutch angle is, um, basically what that is, is it's whenever a camera is tilted askew um, or tilted kind of diagonally, um, that's kind of a Dutch angle. And there are a few shots when they're at this music festival at the, begin- at the beginning of the movie where him and Rocky are talking or him and Ellie are talking and the whole camera is just like off kilter. And I was like, we're not in a world where people have forgotten the Beatles yet, but something is up. And by giving us a kind of off kilter vibe, I kind of read that as just like something weird's about to happen. Like it's going to get weird here. Cause it's after the festival that he gets hit. And then people forget. So it's like something's building, something's you know, brewing but don't know what. So. Okay. But, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so. sense. And the, the other thing I noticed was that after Jack hits his head and is wakes up in this new reality, Whenever someone comes to the door of his parents' place, where he's also living, mm-hmm. it'll show a shot of when the person opens the door, mm-hmm. the person who rang, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell. You can see their... So you see a shot of them through this circular mirror that's hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. And you can see the person's body, but their face is distorted, distorted by this swirl. Mm. And then you first see it when his neighbor comes over mm-hmm. and then you see it again when Ed Sheeran shows up. Interesting. What do you think that's all about? Oh man. We're getting the, uh, the short school of film here tonight. Uh, oh man. Maybe <sighs> with Ed Sheeran, it makes more sense than with the neighbor. Cause like, with Ed Sheeran, it could be, you know, like, he, like, 
he himself feels stressed mm-hmm. by his fame and success. Um, you know, maybe he feels quote unquote like twisted by all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, with the neighbor doesn't make much sense. We never see the neighbor again. It's not like that it was a re- recurring character. Um, but do we see anyone enter the house before we go to, as you call it, Earth 2? I don't think so. Because if it was like a regular mirror in Earth 1 that make, would make sense, and it was swirled in Earth 2, it's like things are not what they seem. And it could be just um, another instance of things are different. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I, I had a, a history professor who taught a film course in undergrad, and they would always tell me, you know, everything is put into a film for a reason, like that nothing is is placed in the shot, you know, just because. But yeah. it could just be that Danny Boyle was like, you know what, I like that mirror. I like the swirly effect, let's put it in there, you know. Maybe there wasn't much really care given, it was just like, you know what, that one, I want that mirror. <laughs> No. So every shot's there for a reason. But but yeah. So I don't know. That's uh I'm still wrestling with that. I don't I don't quite understand what it means. Yeah, it there was a again a lot of like symbolism, a lot of great imagery in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, this almost felt like kind of an art house film that fell into the mainstream somehow. Yeah. Um, cause every time like a new song is introduced or he remembers a song, the one that was the most intense for me or the most vivid is when he remembers a song, Hello, Goodbye, and they're standing in a tunnel in Liverpool and you see the, the words, Hello, Goodbye, literally like come around the corner and like drive by them. Yeah. It's almost as if he's looking at it being like, oh, hello, goodbye, I know the lyrics now, I don't know the name, you know. So, like, that was a really cool shot, and just all of that, so. The budget of this movie was $26 million. Hmm. Opening weekend in the U.S., it made over $17 million. And it's grossed in the U.S. as of July 7th. Thirty-six million one hundred eighty-eight thousand one hundred sixty dollars. Hmm. Not a not a big opening there, huh? Yeah, it's just in the U.S. though. What now? When I'm gonna see here if this. Here we go. Yesterday. Release date. I want to see if there were any other big movies that came out around the same time. It came out what? June 26th? June 28th? June 28th. Were there any other big movies that were coming out that day or that around that time? I know that Men in Black came out what, like a week before. Yeah. Late Night came out around that time. Hmm. Birdman Far From Home came out on July 2nd. Midsummer came out around that time. Interesting. 
back to huh. the movie. I thought that yeah. I thought that Jack and Ellie, their characters had good chemistry. Or Jack and Lily. No, yeah. Jack and Ellie. Jack and Ellie, yeah. Ellie, played by Lily. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I too as well. I thought that um, the two other friends were kind of just throwaway-ish. Mm-hmm. They didn't have much to do. I, although I will say that Ellie, the three of them went in on a guitar for Jack together. And guitars are expensive. Like, those are great friends. Yeah. Um, I want to see, like, you mentioned that. I want to see how much I get a guitar. Like, if I want to go on, I'm going to go on guitarcenter.com and just see what, <laughs> like, I want to buy a guitar. Yeah. I mean, to get, like, an, it looked like a nice guitar, too. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at guitars here averaging, like, $600. So th- those are some real good friends. Yes. <laughs> just get him a guitar, like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Also, just looking at some of the prices of these guitars, $5,000 for a guitar. $5,000? Five thousand dollars. Two thousand for a Les Paul classic. But we're not here to talk about guitars. We're here to talk about the film yesterday. Um, and along with that, I I, I want to say that the love story in this film mm-hmm. between Ellie and Jack is very sweet. Um, and it's it's very much an integral part of the film. However, I think the way they introduced it was kind of out of left field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's... We see that Ellie is, you know, Jack's manager and all that, but it's never really hinted at before he heads off to go join Ed Sheeran. Really? You don't... What about when Rocky asks about them sleeping together at the festival and Jack goes, Oh, we never. And then Ellie gives this kind of saddish look. Well, I, I took that as just kind of like, she was annoyed with Rocky. I didn't take it that way. I, I, I saw it coming. Hmm. Interesting. Or at least that's how I felt. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed, at least for me, it was kind of like, you know, they're up in his room and she's like, why was I never on? Why was I always on the friend column? whatever she calls it, you know, like, why wasn't I ever on the girlfriend column? And I was like, huh? The love what? Well, because he plays that one song and he asks her him who it was about. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was another point in them teasing that. And then mm-hmm. you're right, he ends up asking that. Yeah, I don't know. It, at least for me, it seemed out of left field. It's fair. But this your... is why we, we have a two-person podcast, because you pick up on things that I don't, and I pick up on things that you don't. <laughs> yeah. We play off of each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I don't know. I just thought that it was... Come the end of the film, I was like, you know what? I'm here for the romance. I'm here for it. And this show was like, huh? We have a romance? Go on film? Yeah. 
I think she definitely, that Ellie and Gavin definitely had some chemistry and they seemed to like each other. And you saw them yeah. when they're at Gavin's recording studio. Mm-hmm. They were just hugging and kissing right in front of Jack. Right, yeah, and dancing. Yeah, I was like, okay, all right, she's going to get with Gavin. She's happy now, cool. And then at the end of the film, it's at one of Ed Sheeran's concerts, you know, um, Ellie is still with Gavin. They're still a thing. They're still a couple. Mm-hmm. And then Jack gets up on stage and is, you know, like, you know, everyone, uh, this is Ellie, the best friend of mine, and I want to tell her that I love her. And it's like, okay. And my thought is, like, Gavin, my initially I was like, oh, Jack's going to be like, I waited too long, and now she's, you know, with Gavin. Uh-huh. I, I did not think it was going to end with Gavin being like, no, I get it. I'm always second fiddle, so go have fun with your real boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, poor Gavin. I know. He just <gasps> he just gives up right away. And <laughs> but the funny thing is, while that conversation is happening, you there's shots of <laughs> of Ellie's roommate kind of like cre- like watching from around the corner, and it's like yeah. like they're subtly like not so subtly showing you like oh, but it's okay. Gavin's gonna get with her. Yeah, up there together. So it's like, wait. So was Ellie's roommate introduced at the very beginning, just so Jack doesn't seem like an incredible jerk when he professes his love to her and yeah, and basically steals her away from Gavin. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, cool, jerk. I'm curious. Is is there any? occasion where it's okay to profess your love to someone who is in a relationship with someone else in your mind in in my professional opinion uh no (laughs) it's it's a big no for me i don't i don't care if this was the one who got away if this was your high school sweetheart you know if they're happy in their love life in the words of John, or in the words of Paul McCartney and John Lennon, let it be. Yeah. Let it be. Don't get involved. You know, just crush those feelings. <laughs> that sounds harsh, but, you know, like, if if you had a girlfriend, you know, who I had dated previously, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, but but no, you know, Jess was, you know, she was the one, really, for me, and I, in retrospect... I messed up. Oh, man. I got to get Jess back. But she's with Anthony. And then I go to, like a, like, a friend of ours concert and be like, hey, hey, everyone, this is Jess. She's my best friend. I love her. And uh, I want to date her. And then, I mean, how would you feel? Oh, that would be that, that'd be so incredibly awkward. Like, yeah. witnessing that. Like, imagine being one of Jack's friends. Who's like kind of caught in the middle, and you're watching yeah. it? How cringe! You're standing next to Gavin. How cringy must that feel? Yeah, just like, oh no, dude, man. And it's even more awkward because I have to imagine that like all of Ellie's friends know that Ellie's had a crush on on Jack for years. Yeah, and they're gonna be like, oh, oh well, <laughs> sorry, well, Gavin. Right. 
it, it was almost like Ellie was confessing to me, like, also, Gavin, by the way, yes, you were a placeholder until Jack came around to his senses. Thanks. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Poor Gavin. And I'm part of me is kind of surprised that she went for him because yeah, he's kind of at at a at an all time low if you think about it. Like he's confessing that he's been lying for a long yeah. time, and he's been plagiarizing and profiting off this music that isn't his. Yeah. Also, other question is like. Is it plagiarizing if it never existed? <laughs> I think I think the movie answers that. Jack feels that it is because he's he even oh. though even though the Beatles don't exist as a band in this world, he mm-hmm. says this music is from a band called the Beatles. So four person band called the Beatles. Mm-hmm. He said that this music should exist. So I'm downloading it. To all of you for free, which I wonder where they're, what website they're using to put all that music on. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm like, what? That's like, that's already illegal. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know how that property, how that works property wise. Like, isn't that owned by the record company that he has a contract with? I don't know. But anyway, yeah. so he might be in a world of hurt. He might actually owe a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> I was going to say, he has. All those royalties to pay now because he's been like, eh, give it away. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. And then he, but he admits that he's been, he, that the music hasn't been his. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he, he just admits that. I was like, oh, well, okay. This is not how I thought the movie was going to end. This is, you know, I thought that maybe somehow he'd come around to his senses and, Ellie would join him for the ride of fame. And then, you know, that'd be the end of the film. But it was where while he was on his rise to the top, he tried throwing in his own music, like summer song. And gosh, we haven't even talked about Kate McKinnon's character yet. We have not. Who plays his manager. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So funny. So insulting. Oh my gosh. One of the rudest people put to film. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so there's this running joke, I guess, in the film that Jack has one of his own songs just called Summer Song. Um, And then that's, and it's one of his friends. It's like his favorite song to hear. And at one point when they go to see him, he mm -hmm. goes to the bathroom. So he's like, play Summer Song. They're like, we just. Played that, and then when he goes to Jack's big concert outside mm-hmm. this town, he has a sign for Summer Song. Yeah. So, like, but then when Kate McKinnon hears it, her, like, diss about it was so perfect. And the way she delivered it of just, like, how do I describe it? I, I, I hated it. And not yeah, so... Like I- yeah, I hate it so much, and not so much, or but I'm so disinterested that I yeah. have absolute like I have no desire to listen to it again to see why I don't like it so much. Yeah, it's like, oh man, oof. But yeah, but then every single, you know, Beatles song, of course, is a hit. 
Um, but yeah, yeah like it, it's also must be so, I wonder if the film would have ended differently or he wouldn't have released all the music and admitted it. If like his own music was also being put in the albums. Like if it was, you know, let it be come together, you know, yellow submarine summer song and a few others, you know, if he would have been like, yep, this is my music. I, I think, I think no, like he's just, he wasn't, he's not destined to be a recording artist. Like with his own music. It's fair. Cause, Cause you see that. Yeah. Somewhere that his original music just, it doesn't work. People just don't dig it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, I think they, as cliched as it was, as it was done. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed him. The visualization of fame, especially on social media where he's like walking with between these like giant screens and like seeing people being, you know, like, you know, yeah, Jack, you know, hashtag whatever the album was, you know, all that. And it was so cool to see him just like him so small compared to these giant screens and how fame can feel like that. I'm sure for some people where it's like, this is so much bigger than I am now. You know, like the Beatles, the music is bigger than me and I'm just the messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in real fame, of course, Typically, either you're writing your own songs or someone is writing songs for you. Um, but, but in this, it's like I'm, I'm lying, and now look where I am. I'm so famous, and not because of anything I've actually done. Right, right. And the movie really hits home the point that it's the Beatles' music and not mm-hmm. him, artist. Because remember, in, initially, when he tries playing the Beatles' songs. And he's invited to go on that local TV show where mm-hmm. okay, what song does he play? But the but the host says <laughs> the host is just so focused on the fact that he works at what like a, in a warehouse a warehouse place. He's like, yeah. why don't you call it something something in a warehouse or so? What, what what song does he play again? Do you remember? I think it was Let It Be. Maybe I'm not sure. All you, maybe he played all you need is love or all you need is a warehouse. He says he wonder oh, yeah. where or here. Yeah, I don't know what it, what the song was, mm-hmm. but he's just so focused on that fact. Yeah, but yeah, but the movie kind of makes that point there mm-hmm. in the reverse. Yeah, but but yeah. Um... Also, Ed Sheeran was not supposed to be our kind of point person into the pop culture recording world. Um, and you know who it was supposed to be. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was or who it was. From Coldplay. And they bring, they actually mention, reference Coldplay. Because remember when he plays Yesterday on the guitar for the first time? Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, it's the greatest song that I, like was ever made. And she's like, well, it's no fix you. Like, yeah, I think someone said something about Chris Martin. Mm. Also, 
one of his, someone says something where they're, they're talking about being like him being, becoming famous. And someone's like, well, if, if, uh, if Benedict Cumberpatch can be seen as a sexy, like a really attractive person or, or a really sexy man, then anything's possible. And I feel like that's not the first time I've heard a diss like that about Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> what is with all the hate against Benedict Cumberbatch? I mean, he's... He's a tall, lanky guy. And, uh, you know, I guess just... People are like, this guy's like a sex symbol? Okay. Oh, that's, that's right. If Benedict Cumberbatch can be a sex symbol, then I guess anything's mm-hmm. possible. But yeah, I don't know what the hate is for Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess other people don't think so. Wow. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new goal to show people that Benedict Cumberbatch is an attractive man. Double A Cumbercast, <laughs> proving why Benedict Cumberbatch is sexy. It's like, it's like. Have you ever seen those BuzzFeed articles where it's like, twenty five reasons why blah blah blah. It's like twenty five reasons why Benedict Cumberbatch is sexy and thirteen reasons why he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Number five will have you know will change your heart forever. Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> now if Ed Sheeran was not our main musical person what other recording artist today you can't use the can't use chris martin um but what other musical artist would you have liked to have seen in this role i think it would have to be someone british totally ah who is british the one direction people are british it was harry styles I'm not saying that it should be, but I'm just trying to think of British artists to jog my head, to jog my memory. I think it would be very interesting if it was like Adele. Oh, I literally was just thinking, I was like, wait a second, Adele's British. Yeah. If it was Adele as the person, but then you'd, there'd be a whole lot of, I'm sure gender politics people would throw at the film if it was Adele and Jack versus Ed Sheeran and Jack. But Oh, because he's oh he's taking over. Or something like that. I don't I know. Kinnan does make the mention that she's like, poor Ed, he's John the Baptist and he was just there to make discover you. Yeah. It was like, man. Well my first thought is like we see that Ed Sheeran's still getting these big crowds. Cause I'm I'm wondering if they filmed the whole Ellie thing like at an actual Ed Sheeran concert. Mm-hmm. And if they were just like, you know, when you got your ticket that night, it's like, hey, just so you know, we're going to be filming some stuff here. Or if they did it all digitally and just shot like little scenes of like the close ups of the characters in the bleachers. Or maybe they just got a bunch of extras. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Because have you ever seen the movie? Oh, it's a Will Ferrell movie, Mark Wahlberg. Step. Stepfather? No. It was like, is it like Daddy's Home? Daddy's Home. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. There's a scene 
where Will Ferrell's character is drunk and he <laughs> he gets called to be you know how at halftime of sporting event like at, at NBA games they'll do mm-hmm. if you make a shot from half court you win X amount of uh, money, yeah. something like that so mm-hmm. his character gets to do that and he <laughs> He ends up just chucking a ball right at a cheerleader's face. But they recorded it that actually at a halftime of an NBA game. So that kind of stuff's been done before. Yeah, I feel like if Ed Sheeran's doing a concert and he's already in the film, it's like, ring up and be like, hey, can we film this scene here? We need you off stage for like 20 minutes. Cool, thanks, bye. You know, and you could film like the Ellie portion separate the up close bleachers the behind the scenes all that separate you know you wouldn't need to actually be at the venue yeah also okay this i don't i don't quite think it was as effective like Mm -hmm. if he's about to pour his heart out to this girl why in the world would he have her go into the backstage area where there's a camera why would he pull her on stage like what? What what's the what's the point of showing her face on screen to the whole crowd for? Like yes to show like this is the beautiful girl that I'm in love with. But it like it's if you're I, about to pour your heart to someone, right, reveal something really personal that you should you should you should do it in person. I think several things. One I think it is to show the world, like, this is this gorgeous woman who I love, you know, look at her beauty and, ah, you know, showing her off, literally. Yeah. Um, but then also I think it's a combination of if he had pulled her on stage and was like, Ellie, I need to tell you something, she would have been like, nope, peace, bye, and walked off stage. You think? And then I, either that or... If it doesn't go well, it's like those um, public proposals, like at sports games. You mentioned the NBA halftime show, you know, where it's like the kiss cam and then someone's like, you know, will you marry me? And if the woman or the guy, you know, says no, then it's, you know, you know, and I'm one like she she had been like coerced into being like, yes, I do love you, you know. So, okay, so this is what I'm hearing you say. So you're saying that it would be better if someone makes a public proposal like that instead of to have <laughs> instead of to have the person propose in front of that person for them to be on the court and but to have the picture of the person they're proposing to just a full headshot of them on the huge <laughs> in the arena. Cuz wouldn't isn't that even worse? So then she is sure he's telling her these these things about him that really kind of in a sense awful and she just everyone just is privy to just a a huge headshot of her reaction (laughs) i mean if she came to the concert and she was willing to go backstage i think she would have gone on stage too maybe she was just closer to the backstage (laughs) Maybe it was a, a proximity thing. Oh, so he's like, I can't kill sometime for like, or like, 
or ask Rocky, like, all right, I've got three songs left. Can you bring her up now? Yeah. Sitting. Maybe he didn't trust Rocky to do that. Rocky would get, like, distracted by, like, the concession stand and be like, you know, Ellie, let's come get some hot dogs with me. Come get some hamburgers, you know. Or you know what? It would have been great if if they did kind of a callback to when she first discovered him, where she was kind of on the side of the stage, mm. just off the stage, and she was there, and he told her all that, and then she came out. That would have been better. I like that version more. You've I sold think, me. Yeah. I think that's so awkward. <laughs> and I still, poor fucking Gavin. Like, I like how... Then they they run to each other off stage, which again you could have just ran off together. And, uh, so they run to some like lobby area, and mm. then he like strolls up and he's like, "Yeah, I'm still here." <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh, or Gavin." Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Yup, I am still the boyfriend, but I guess not in ten seconds." Yeah, but, <laughs> but then the roommate comes up and, and she's like, "It's okay." It's me, the person who who showed up in one scene and said like one line. Yeah, we're gonna be together, and it's gonna be better because true love. Remember me? I told Jack I couldn't go on his tour, and now we're gonna get married. Huh? Who are you? I forgot my own name because I wasn't that important. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh. Yeah, so that's just that's how I feel. I will say though, like I'm, we're joking about this point, but I really like this movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. At this point, I think it's one of those movies where we both liked it so much that, like, at this point, we're nitpicking. Yeah. You know, um, but but yeah, but one one I have one fun question for you. I guess two in a way. Um, before okay. we get into our our ratings. For this film, our our review for this film. Um, so, of course, in the film, things are forgotten, things don't exist, things are erased from the world, uh, including but not limited to Oasis, The Beatles, Coca Cola, Rip. I I am I am a Coke man, a Coca Cola man through and through. I'm not a Coke man. That's a totally different. Uh, a person, a Coca Cola guy through and through. Not really a big fan of Pepsi. Uh, but cigarettes are forgotten. Harry Potter is forgotten. Um, if you were able to make two things that exist today no longer exist, and we won't get controversial or political here, but if there were two things that you're like, I wish this never existed, what would it be? Ooh. I mean, if if we're going for like the greater good, I would say something like white nationalism or the KKK. <laughs> But if we're going for more comedic, I would go with, I kind of, I at least think it would be interesting Mm -hmm. to be in a world where The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was pretty good or made a lot of money and they (laughs) they made, because there were whole plans to do a Sinister Six movie. I don't think this was ever real, but apparently there were reports that an Aunt May spinoff was being looked at. Yeah. Okay. So would you have not so you would have had 
the MCU Spider-Man movies not exist? I mean, uh, I hate to say, because I really like the MCU. I, I just think it'd be interesting to see what would have happened. Okay. Maybe, okay, and maybe I'm getting caught in Spider-Man. Maybe if I had a couple things that, that didn't exist. Yeah. Maybe it would be there, Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3, okay. Or the last, the Pirates of the Caribbean at World, World's End. Oh, hold on. The, the third one? Yeah. Hold on. That struck a chord, man. I saw that on my 12th birthday. Did you? I did. Or maybe 8th. I don't know. I was young. I remember seeing it on my birthday, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Really? I would... If we're going to go with parts of the Caribbean movies, 4 and 5 should not exist. It should have ended at 3. You have a perfect trilogy there. The end. Okay. Um, so, are, are your two things Spider-Man 3 and the third Pirates of the Caribbean film? I know those aren't great examples. You caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for this. I'll say that for now. What would you say? Um, I think it will be interesting to live in a world where either... And I'm going to say this generally, so it will count as one. But if, like, either Microsoft or Apple, like, never existed. Like, one of the two big rivals never existed. Like, with Pepsi and Coke. Oh, okay. And, like, it was always Apple, or it was always um, Windows. Oh. You know, what that world looks like. Like, oh. in a world with no iPhones, but, like, everyone has a Windows phone. Yeah. Which, if you remember Windows phones really rough <laughs> yeah um but then so i'll probably do that so a tech giant if we went one thing it wouldn't exist and then i wouldn't want to live in a world where oh man I'm going to say global warming. Maybe global warming doesn't exist. Let's do that. It just doesn't exist. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. I'm going to say global warming and a tech giant. One of the two. Apple or, or, or Windows. All right. So. I, I wonder what, what... Now I'm thinking, what would it be like if Burger King didn't exist? Why Burger King? I don't know. I don't really care for Burger King. Mm-hmm. Honestly. So it's almost in my mind, it's kind of like it doesn't exist anyways, because I just have no reason to go there. Same. I, I don't eat fast food that often, and when I do, it's typically like Cane's chicken or uh, like Wendy's. I don't know. I like Wendy's. Wendy's is good. All right. Well, we've gotten way off but, track at this point. But yeah. Um, Burger King. Huh. I'll be thinking of that for a while. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have my internship tomorrow. I will ask everyone in the office if they can have two things that wouldn't exist, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Great. On that. So, 
Yeah. Was there any last item you wanted to get to before we get into our uh, ratings? Oh, yeah. Just so if we're talking about parallel worlds, I think there's a parallel world where there's a different version of this movie. So there was this actress, Anna de Armas, who you can mm-hmm. see her in some of the trailers. But it seems like she was going to play a love interest, but her okay. scene was cut from the final film. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm just curious what that movie would be like. And you can see, so it seems like there was a cut of the film where Jack, you actually see Jack going on James Corden. Because in this movie, you just, it's the dream sequence of him mm-hmm. going on James Corden. Mm hmm. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures here where he's on James Corden and he's singing to her. And, huh. Interesting. Yeah, that would have been um, very different, especially if it was, like, a kind of, like, your hometown girlfriend and then your, like, Hollywood famous girlfriend situation. Right. That would have been... I would have loved to have seen that, actually. I would have loved to have seen that movie. Yeah. I guarantee we'd see a beat where he's... Like they're kind of they're flirt or they're having a flirtation relationship, flirtatious relationship, and then mm-hmm. she does something or says something that Ellie would never do, or like she she does the opposite of something that Ellie would do, and then that makes him realize that he really likes Ellie. Yep, Guaranteed. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I need to see that beat. Yeah, <laughs> I need to see the scene. Yeah. yeah. Hey, maybe in the DVD or Blu-ray they'll have deleted scenes of that. Yeah, yeah. But that was the last was the last real point that I wanted to make. Gotcha. Yeah. So, <clears throat> out of ten cans of Pepsi, because Coca Cola does not exist in this film. Okay. Out of ten cans of Pepsi, what would you give the film yesterday? I would give yesterday. I would give it in I'd give it a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten? Yeah. I was gonna give the same thing. I was also gonna give it a nine out of ten. Um I think this was a fun just it's a fun summer romance borderline rom com at times. Um just a fun movie and a very unique concept. Uh, a yeah. very unique creative concept and it's just fun it's really really good yeah i'd agree yeah so all righty well that concludes uh our review of yesterday um and again uh feel free to tell all your friends about double a cinema cast tell your best friends tell your worst friends tell your best enemies and your worst enemies and anyone you know or love uh tell them all about this this podcast we really appreciate the support and uh, while you're at it, go on to our social media. We're getting a little more active on our Twitter, which is at Double A Cinema. Uh, that is spelled D O U B L E A C I N E M A. And then on our Instagram, we are at Double A Cinema Cast, spelled D O U B L E A C I N E M A C A S T. Double A Cinema Cast. Um, so follow us there. Uh, we have some polls up on our Twitter. We always have a great. 
uh, picture on our Instagram of the review this this uh, coming week. Links to our podcasts, which are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, Spotify, CastBox, Overcast, um, Radio Public, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to it. So, well, thank you all very much, and uh, we'll see you next week with our review of Marvel's Spider-Man Far From Home. Nice!